Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Meyer Metcalf here back on the ride, filling in for Patrick Royce. I'll be here all week, folks. Um, I'm I'm not like a doomsday kind of dude. Like you know, like oh no, like this is th- this could dramatically change everything. You know, you know people like that. Um, mm-hmm. I like to be somewhat reasonable, but I I do wonder if football will exist in 20 years, and if it does exist, what it will look like. Uh, going into the season, there's the new controversial uh, rule with. Players being penalized for putting their heads down. And I think a lot of people see this as like a defensive rule, defensive players. But if you're a running back and you put your head down to initiate contact or deliver a blow, that can be a penalty too. Mm-hmm. If you're an offensive lineman, you know, trying to knock a guy down and you put your head down, that can be a penalty. So everyone's looking at this as just a defensive rule, but it could affect offensive players. I mean, you could have a, a guy that's in the middle of a 50 yard run. If he puts his head down, you know, like an old Walter Payton kind of finish, uh, he could cost your team 15 yards. So that is a a dramatic change. And uh, the Philadelphia Eagles had a group of officials come into their training camp, and they said they the, the officials couldn't explain the rule. Like that's that's how convoluted it is. Is that the officials couldn't explain it? And that that's to me what is currently. Football and most notably the NFL's biggest problem. It's not safety. It's not the injury risk. It's the complete complication of the rule system because that to me has what has made the game a little bit more unwatchable than it was five to ten years ago. Because every other play is interrupted by a penalty flag. It's it's it gets to be pretty tiresome. Yeah, and I listen. If you support violent sports, there's hypocrisy in that, right? I'm a hypocrite. Um, because I don't ever want to see anyone get hurt. Of course not. I don't want to want to see guys have long-term health problems. But I'm aware in the moment that I'm contributing to these potential risks. And I'm contributing to the possibility that these guys will have problems long after they're done by being a fan and putting my money uh, and just my commitment and devotion. But you said it yesterday, and I guarantee 99.9% of guys that are playing say the same thing. They understand the injury risk, and they still will sign up for it. Yep, I, I can't. I'm Mongo uh, with the Bears in mm-hmm. the Bears documentary. Mongo, what's his name? Mongo, uh, the big D lineman. Uh, anyways, Mango is it Mango or Mongo? I can't remember. Plays the Chicago Bears on those '85 Bears teams, and and in that documentary that Dan ESPN 30, 30 for thirty, Dan Hampton, right? Or Steve McMichael? Steve, Steve McMichael. Michael. They call him the Mongo. Yes, Mango, mm-hmm. Mongo. Um, he said at the end of the film, the 30 for 30 with the Bears, he said, look, man, 
And these guys were going through some of the challenges they're having. And, you know, you, you see, obviously, Walter Payton uh, passed away. Like, you had all these guys who were looking at, okay, have we been affected by football? And, and Stephen Michael said, look, man, every last guy to a man would, would walk back out there. Um, it, it, it's interesting because that's a part of it. And I think sometimes that's lost. So I just read this in the L.A. Times. There's a, there's a settlement fund set up for guys who had uh, cerebral issues after football, whether it's CTE, Alzheimer's, ALS, Parkinson's. So they had projected that they were going to spend $52 million over 65 years on claims for Parkinson's and ALS. This is what this fund and the people behind it with the NFL projected. In two years, they have already paid out $146 million in claims by former players uh, with ALS and Parkinson's, right? So here's the deal about whether it's Parkinson's, ALS, um, CTE. People act like it's all conclusive, that everyone knows all the answers as to why these guys have some of these issues. And there's obviously a lot of evidence to suggest that, you know, playing football for 10 years and taking all those hits isn't going to help you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's only going to increase the likelihood. But there's nothing that guarantees that that's this dramatic increase. Like, there's still in the sciences of it uh, still a lot of unknowns. There are people who've never stepped on a football field in their lives who have CTE. Like, there are a lot of things that are not known about it. However, I think numbers like that will continue to increase. And as the health risks and just the evidence of what can happen to you after football, as that group grows and we hear about more claims and more prominent football players making claims, uh, it's going to lead to more of these, hey, I know you're going 50 miles an hour on a football field, but put your head up because if you put it down, that's a penalty. Like all these things that – you can't do in real time. Like, I don't care who you are and how good you are as a football player. There are so many bang, bang plays that require you to just make a play. And yeah, you want to be a great form tackler, but I don't care what you're taught. You're not going to be able to do that in real time. And I think we're going to see more and more rules like this that are, we're protecting the players. But for me, they're protecting the perception of the league. They, they want a game that is, violent and we all know that to somehow come off as less violent they want to sell it to the masses in a way to show you know what it's not as bad as you think what are you, what are you talking about one the only reason that any of and trust me no one's buying it no that they're caring no. about the safety it's it's all because of future lawsuits that they're protecting exactly. themselves mm-hmm. from which is which is why i have a problem with all this mm-hmm. because it's you can't act like you're going to suddenly change everything in a game that has a bunch of dudes who are, you know, 6'2", 250, running four five forties running into each other. And by the way, they're doing that because now there is credible information that can be used against them, which is why this entire program started. True. Which, But when I look at numbers like this, a fund that's gone, that was expected to pay out $52 million over 65 years, people. Like, it was projected 65 years out has already paid $146 million. Yep. It's already three times over what it was projected to be. Mm. That number's going to keep growing. Yeah. So if you're the NFL, like how long does that number grow before even more significant changes have to be made? I just wonder in 20 years, fellas, if we're going to see football. You know, there was a quote, uh, and we brought this up a couple of years ago when it was uttered, and of all people, it was crazy Mark Cuban, but he, he nailed it. He said the, the NFL will eat itself alive. It feels that way. And that's, that's a great quote. It's, it's, this is one of the reasons why. 
and yeah. and the over the over promotional aspect of every other possible angle that the NFL can sell every inch of its product will do so. But but this is this is a big chunk what's, of it. What's the what's the analogy? It's like pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, or something something like yeah. that. There was some yeah, I can't remember exactly what it is, but yeah, I mean it's you just well, and the other thing too is you know numbers are down. People, you know, parents are are like my sister. I got. I have two nephews. One is fifteen. He'll be sixteen in October, and and another that just turned eleven in July. And my sister will not. She's like they're not playing football. Yeah, I they're not gonna play football. You're hearing more and more of that, and I think you'll continue to hear more and more of that. Um, and that that I think if football is not going to exist in twenty years, that's going to be the primary reason why because parents and parents are just not going to let their kids play. My my only problem with all of it is I know there are obviously some serious consequences. Like I said, I I snapped my jaw and I got nerve damage in my face to this day because of what happened on the football field to me. But I knew the risks, yeah. and I feel like that's lost sometimes in a conversation. Not saying these retired players, like I hate to see what has happened to all of them, but I think sometimes what's lost is sort of this idea of like you didn't know that taking these hits could lead to, we all know if you get on a field like that, you know when you're a little boy and you're playing tackle football with your friends on the concrete, mm-hmm. what could happen. To, to echo what Manny just said um, and bringing it back to Mankato, my wife and I went down to the old stopping grounds to watch Mankato's last yeah, home playoff game at Blakesley. And we were standing on the sideline, and uh, a Mankato punt returner was literally as far away as you and I are from each other right now. Yeah. And this dude got depleted <sighs> on impact catching the ball, and she was standing next to me, and she said, the boys will never, ever play this game. <laughs> and I just thought, well, it wasn't weird to me because yeah. I've seen a play like that up close before. But you know when you see it visually for the first time yeah. at that rate of speed, and this is granted, it's good Division Two football, but that's yeah. Division Two football. Those hits are real, and I think yeah. what you said, what Manny said, that's going to be the change. Oh, more yeah. and more kids uh, who won't be allowed to play. We'll be back after this. Favorite brand names for less Burlington style for everyone. Myron Metcalf back on the ride. Uh, got a friend of mine coming on here, David Levake. Uh, Dave, you there? I am here. Uh, and, and David Levake is a, a sports reporter, press reporter at the Star Tribune, and a friend of mine. He, uh, we play basketball a lot, and he has a slight edge in the one-on-one series. <laughs> what, what do you think? You have about a five-game advantage. So, keep, keep, keep going. <laughs> It might be a little higher than that. It might be a little higher than that. Keep going. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to bring David on because we've been talking about this book he's working on. It's something that I know would appeal to Minnesotans. Whenever I travel the country and people ask me to describe sort of, you know, what's the sports climate in Minnesota, I always tell them, you know, what basketball is in Indiana, what football is in Texas, that's hockey in Minnesota. And you're working on a project that is going to document a uh, hundred years of the state high school tournament, right? 75. 75, I'm sorry. The tournament that will be played out in March of 2019 yeah. uh, will be the 75th uh, boys state high school hockey tournament. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm fascinated by this. As important and as big as hockey has, it is here in Minnesota. Um, it's an ambitious project, but it's also one I'm very interested in, you know, seeing the final result. What's been the best part of all this, just pursuing some of these stories and trying to put this whole thing together? Well, as you just said, we are pursuing stories. Uh, there are books that have been put out on different asp- uh, aspects of the tournament or different eras of the tournament, but they've really just been like sitting down and writing a glorified you know, game recap, a glorified box score. And you know, that I, I, tip, I tip my hat to those authors because they did put some time and research into their work, but there wasn't a lot of color. There wasn't a lot of all the things that make the tournament great, both on and off the ice and, and the personalities of the players and the, and the inside stories of the teams. And so myself and my co-author, Lauren Nelson, we said that's the book that we want to do, and, and frankly it's the book that needs to get done because it doesn't exist yet. And so we've, we've been going back from all the way from 1945 when the tournament started and getting interviews with, uh, from that tournament, uh, just one living player, but then from there on, at least three or four uh, players or a coach from the, the, not only the tournament winners through all the years, but, but other players that, that had a, a significant impact on the tournament in different ways, even if they didn't win. So the, the gathering of those stories and hearing about all, all the things from their life and times has just been fascinating and a lot of fun. I don't want you to spoil the book, but what's, what's the most fascinating story uh, you, you've heard so far? Uh, I'll just just a little snippets. I mean, you, know, you were interested. You said that you thought it was great that Kevin McHale was yeah. a hockey player up in Hibbing. I had no idea Kevin McHale played hockey. Yeah, in the late '60s, early '70s, uh, he he was right there playing with some of the guys that went on to win the '73 state championship, and wow. they said he was pretty good. I mean, you, you, I don't think you can be a pro in one sport and not just be a good all-around athlete. Uh, but yeah, they they said he was pretty good, and he's kind of shot up in size, and that was the end of hockey for him. You know, um, so that was a good story. And then it's little snippets like a a player that that was uh, you know disappointed in himself for not scoring what would have been a tying goal in the late stages of the game and decided, you know what, I'm just going to walk home from the St. Paul Auditorium to my house on the east side of St. Paul. Uh, there are two teammates that before a third-place game said, you know what, uh, we're, we're not getting the, the scoring looks so, that we need to get, so we're going to switch jersey numbers. <laughs> and you know, and it just, just things like that. that and, and some of those stories have, have appeared you know, in long forgotten newspaper articles, and some of the stories that we're getting are have never been discussed. So, it's it's little snippets of of facts like that that you can either mention within the telling of the the chapter, or can be the angle for what you're writing about a team from a given year. So it's it's been fun to collect these little nuggets. Uh, being from Wisconsin, I mean, the basketball tournament was big. The football was big. Uh, we we had some hockey, but it wasn't it wasn't that big. I'm I'm curious, like, what is sort of the the theme that binds all of these tournaments and has made the hockey state tournament here in this state so special for so many years? You know, it, it, it's early on. It, it just seemed to, you know, at the St. Paul Auditorium, they were getting. I think eight thousand was eight, eight or nine thousand was the max they could get, and it, it built slowly. Um, the first few tournaments uh, were not sellouts all the way through. And then it really started to kind of, and basketball was king. You know, I've talked to Patrick Royce about this, and basketball is king in Minnesota. And then around the late 60s, they put the state high school hockey tournament at the old Met Center, hmm. uh, which is, if you've been to Ikea, that's, yeah. that's, that's where that's at, where the North Stars played. And they put that tournament in there, and they filled the building. And all of a sudden, 
you started to take a look at hockey in a little different light, and now you can you have players that that had grown up watching some of it on TV, and and so now it starts to build, and and it just it never has stopped the momentum since about then, and and and, and you know blossomed into the uh, the spectacle that it's it's been for for all those years since. What made you want to write this book? I mean, what was the motivation here? Just that it hadn't been done, and I, I approached Lauren Nelson, my co-author. He had written a series of articles. He done he chronicled the top 100 high school hockey players. He did this. It was an online only at the MinnesotaHockeyHub.com website. Did this back in 2011, and I'm reading these things every day. They come out, and it's like, wow, that's great, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then he and I started working together at the state tournament. He's a guy that that makes me better at what I do. I said, that's the guy I want to work with, and. And like I said at the top of this interview, this book and the way we're approaching it doesn't exist. And, and so I wanted to just create something that, that brings all of these wonderful elements of the tournament together in one place. Lauren was right on, you know, right with that vision and, and we have taken off and been cranking on this thing for a little over a year and we've gotten, we got to deliver it by next April. So it's, <laughs> which gets closer all the time. And you're still looking for stories. I mean, you're still open to, you know, someone listening, they've got a great story about the Hockey State Tournament. Uh, you'd love to hear it. Absolutely. And, and at David underscore Levesque on Twitter is, is my handle. And and uh, Lauren doesn't do quite as much social media-wise as I do with Twitter. But I yeah, certainly check in. I mean, we're, we're getting old newspaper reports, and we're doing a lot of interviews, as I said. But there's always little – it can just be a curiosity somebody has that could turn into a little story idea. So it's – it's uh, yeah, we're we're wide open to taking f- uh, fan input, most definitely. I know ESPN did the hockey hair thing at the tournament maybe two years ago. You did a couple of interviews, I know, attached to that. But that to me felt like a. I mean, obviously, a lot of people paid attention to that and they saw the feature. But that on a national level, I think a lot of people tuned in and thought, "Wow, I had no idea that hockey was this big right. in the state of Minnesota." I mean, that seemed like a a cool moment for people like you who have been a part of this thing for so long well it was kind of the latest awakening on a national level if you go back to the late 70s howard cosell uh, was was on uh, and and had some involvement in the tournament and in the early 1980s sports illustrated did a feature on the tournament and so you know every every generation since then there's been this little national exposure that i think is is great for the tournament and and uh and, and, it, and it resonates you know on a lot of levels because i mean there's, we we spent the summer, Lauren and I. We've been talking to some current NHL players, uh, some star players that had some experience at the tournament, and you know they go on to to, to great, bigger and better things in hockey. But they the, the the state tournament never leaves them, and they find themselves sometimes. People ask, "Well, is it really that great?" And they always say, "Yeah, it is. It's just something that is so unique and special to Minnesota. You, you unless you've been here, you just don't know don't how great it is." We're talking to David LeVake of the Star Tribune. Uh, Prep reporter is working on a fascinating book about the 75 years of the state tournament, uh, the state hockey tournament. You, you hear this in other states, uh, Dave. You hear, you know what, our football product is hurting at the preps level because the big guys are trying to be LeBron James and now they're playing basketball. I, I'm curious if here, is that happening? Are there a bunch of guys who could be playing other sports Who've decided to play hockey because uh, I mean it's such a big sport and promising sport here? Well, didn't I think it was Clem Haskins that once said the toughest part about coaching basketball for the Gophers in Minnesota is that a lot of his point guards are playing hockey. If that's a real quote, I think it is. I mean that goes back to when Clem was here in the '80s and, and into the '90s. But see, I, I do think yeah, you, you it's it's another place. 
for uh, you know great athletes to to go and and uh, use their talents. Uh, certainly, it, it's a dynamic that doesn't exist in other states. I know that some states have you know some kids that gravitate toward hockey, and it's it's certainly more of a national presence now. But but yeah, I, I think that you do see guys. I know that there's guys that will you know play football, and you know we did an article years ago about uh, you know there was a high school hockey player that committed to the Gophers and the message was, okay, you're a hockey player now. You're not a football player anymore. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely uh, hockey competes for its share of the top kids. Coming up in Wisconsin, like, we were never good enough to go to state, but, you know, that was sort of the prize and if you could say that you went to state and competed for a championship, you know, there was no feeling like it. What's it like for the kids here? I mean, is that is that the ultimate prize? I mean, are you finding that guys who won state tournaments years and years ago still it still holds a special place? For them most definitely yeah there's some guys that say well, i live in the moment and this and that but by the time you're done talking to them they say hey that was great you know and yeah. lauren nelson had a interview he said uh, the the other day with a player who won uh, part of the 2000 champion from blaine and he's gone on to play in the nhl his name is brandon bochensky and he said by the end of our conversation brand's like hey thanks a lot i'm fired up i haven't thought about this stuff in a while but it, it brought me back in touch with how great not only the tournament is but you know, now you're in the locker room with with your friends, and now this is before you know spouses and mortgages and car payments. You know, yeah. it's a great time to go back to. And then if you can be on top of your sport, and it's the biggest sport in a given state, I mean, it just gets more. You can't get much more special than that. Well, David, I can't wait to read the final product. Uh, David Levesque, Star Tribune, a preps reporter, working on a fascinating book about 75 years of the state high school hockey tournament here in Minnesota. Thanks, man. Thank you, sir. That was David LeVay. That's a fascinating idea. Uh, and I can't wait to read the final product. We will be back after this. You, uh, by the way, Myron? Yeah. I'm a guy that uh, I don't like to start uh, controversy God, I hate or, Reavers. or uh, you know, really want to stir <laughs> things up. But okay. um, you and John are both gigantic music fans. Yes. And uh, he has a bone to pick with you about uh, Ray I Charles. I don't really have a bone to pick. I, just okay. said, I said Ray actually had some top ten hits before he did the country western albums. I said, so that's not how he hit. With no, the that's true. Stuff. No, he's, he's, so he's right. That, that's so, all I said. Myron, guess what? Welcome to the family. No, you no. just got FYI'd. Now, here's, no, here's no. the thing. Here's the thing. Once you've been FYI'd oh, by you're Johnny, Johnny, now you you're part of the family. It. You're Johnny, part of the family. Made man. I don't mind it because I'm one of those music guys that just wants to know. You know it's not, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not like a, that. you know, hey, I, I was just saying he did have, a lot of people don't realize his yeah. uh, affinity for country music. And there are a lot of artists like him. Uh, Isaac Hayes talked mm-hmm. a lot about the Grand Old Opry and his yeah. uh, you know, country music and what that meant to him. B.B. Uh, King. Yep. That he learned the blues and the lyrics of the blues through country music. There's just a lot of correlation Luke between Brian, the Luke blues Brian. and country music. There's a Florida very, Georgia line, yeah, right? <laughs> there's a very thin line in, especially in the fifties, between yes. the blues and, and you know real country music. Definitely, uh, lyrically, really close. And, yes, and musically, there were some uh, definite similarities too. So, see? yeah, I, uh, see, see what I did here. And a boy, no, I, I, I don't, I don't mind together. it. Hey, Johnny can do that all day. I love no, it. I, I, I just want to know. I didn't want to come in. No, you know, do, like the reapers, I'll come in and go. Hey, idiot. Yeah, he'll do that to you. You can say it to me. Typically, that happens about four or five times a day. You can say that to me anytime you want. What's Uh, up? This update's sponsored by your locally owned Domino's. Introducing Domino's Hotspots. Get pizza delivered to outdoor locations like parks, beaches, and more. Not at home? Not a problem. Visit Domino's.com for details on Domino's Hotspots. 
I'm not trying to be funny. When Ray Charles did a country album, was he? Is it the same setup? Was he just by himself? It was, it was him and the Ray Lights, and they there was a lot of yeah. strings involved. They used a lot of strings. You've huh. heard, uh, you've heard. Uh, I can't stop loving you. Haven't you oh, Ray sure. Charles? Okay, that's okay. from the country yeah. western. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that was his. That was his first love. Yeah. In many ways, loved. yeah. No, uh, I think something else was his first love. Oh, oh, he liked the ladies. Yes, he yeah. also had a bit of a drug problem for a while too. So, he by the way, don't we all <laughs> have drug, <laughs> drug, drug problems? Problem? No, no, no. Wait no, a minute. No. What are we? I stepped on my wait, own. Wait, what line. are we? Uh, no, what, you said it was his first love, uh, and I think we're all in love with. Isn't that it scene. funny that Kenny walked in right at that punch? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Kenny. Kenny's going to tell me to stop talking. <laughs> okay. Twins in Cleveland tonight. Jake Odorizzi for uh, Minnesota. Mike Clevenger uh, for the Twins. By the way, on our website, uh, longer, more involved story on this, but let me give you the uh, just the short version. The July non-waiver tread deadline gets a lot of the hype, but of course, August trades can happen with waiver claims. And MLB Trade Rumors published a list of 20 August trade candidates, and there are three current, oh my God. Yeah. Three, <laughs> three current Twins players on the top 20. They are Fernando Rodney, Irvin Santana, and Logan Morrison. As I retweeted, hmm. good luck getting a haul for a guy hitting a buck now. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, it would be a salary dump. You're not going to get anything for him. No. Yeah. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors also added Addison Reed as an honorable mention. Uh, you can check the entire story out at 1500ESPN.com. Is Addison Reed on the DL? Where's he been? No, he pitched the other day. Did I he? Thought. I didn't see him pitch. Yeah, they just, they just him took him off. He pitched against Kansas City over the weekend. Hmm. Uh, hey, Vic- Kenny, I don't, I don't know if you missed it or not, but uh, Myron's officially a member of the 1500 ESPN family. He just got FYI'd by John Hyde. <laughs> All right. Welcome aboard, Myron. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> uh, Vikings Xavier Rhodes and Stephon Diggs didn't practice today. Why? Coach Mike Zimmer said, quote, because they did not make me happy. He said neither was injury. I didn't want to. Oh, they got, a, they got into a skirmish? He said neither, ah. neither was injury-related, and apparently both guys were jawing with each other a lot at the walkthrough this morning or at practice this afternoon. And by the way, uh, Coach Zimmer had no comment on Richie Incognito. This, this isn't going to be like... Remember, remember when Cam Newton got into a fight with uh, Josh Norman? Yeah. I think, they went, I think that was the year the Panthers went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, yeah. They had, they had some beef. John, don't you wish we could do that with rookie and Reavers? Just make them sit out an afternoon because we're sick of, <laughs> sick of listening to them. Take a couple plays off. <laughs> a loss for the local Little League team trying to make it to the Little League World Series. Uh, Fargo scored three runs in the second, three more in the fifth. They defeated Coon Rapids and over six to nothing in the winner's bracket of the Little League Midwest Regional. Oh. Victory puts Fargo into the regional championship game 10 o'clock Saturday morning. Coon Rapids Andover plays at 10 Friday against the winner of tomorrow's game between Iowa and Kansas. Both games scheduled to be shown on ESPN. Now, now, John, you live in the Coon Rapids Andover area. I live area, in Andover, yes. And, but you're from North Dakota, so were you very torn uh, between these two teams? I, I didn't know they were playing before. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm glad to be honest. I can, I can assure you that the guys on those teams, though, they were of age, right? Yeah. Well, when they start playing Japan and Mexico, I... I don't trust any of that. Yeah. That all these guys are, all these kids are 12. And Manny, don't worry about Heights Allegiance. Typically, what he does when he attends a Coon Rapids uh, <laughs> minor go. league game is he go. just gets really wasted and hurls insults at the kids. That's, <laughs> that's typically his, uh, his modus. Uh, it's been a couple years since I did that. The uh, NBA uh, has released its uh, marquee day schedules. No Timberwolves this year on their. Uh, 
marquee games. I'd be on MLK Day and Christmas Day. Uh, we do have five listed games for preseason. Uh, they'll be at Golden State on September 29th, at LA Clippers October 3rd, Oklahoma City Thunder here at the Target Center on October 5th, uh, Milwaukee October 7th. That uh, still does not have a time or a place to be played, and then they'll be at Milwaukee on October 9th. The uh, Thunder will not be playing on Christmas Day this year for the first time since like 2011 or something like that. And really? Saw, wow. Yeah, and I saw somebody on Twitter say it's because they let Carmelo Anthony go. Oh yeah, oh, that yeah. changed. Like, yeah, they that, weren't as interesting. That really then. made a difference. <laughs> but wasn't yeah. his only year with Oklahoma it was City just one last year. year? It was yeah. just last yeah, year. Last yeah, year. yeah, it's just huh. Twitter is. Then he got his thirty million and left. Yep. Uh, one other NBA note: Free agent center Jalil Okafor has agreed to a deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, he'll receive a partial guarantee for the season and a team option for 2019 and 20. Uh, he played for Philadelphia and Brooklyn last season. You might remember he had that uh, really good year, uh, averaging 17.5 points, seven rebounds after being drafted number three overall, but then uh, took a back seat. Boy, Where does he rank f- for bus? Well, there's oh still a little gosh. time, but he's he's. it's amazing how quickly the NBA changed for big man. Because remember, he got picked when the NBA was still throwing it into the post and big men weren't shooting as many threes, but now they're all three-point I remember there was debate between him and Towns. Flip Flip was in love with Jaleel Okafor Mm -hmm. until he saw Cat work out, and then he changed his mind. But yeah, Flip was totally ready to draft Jaleel Okafor number one overall. Flip knew. Yep. Uh, One other very important basketball note, Harlem Globetrotters star Bull Bullard made a trick basketball shot from an airplane. Sitting behind the pilot in a two-person Super Cub, Bullard leaned out the doorless plane and dropped his <laughs> shot at a hoop set up on a landing strip at the Woodbine Airport in New Jersey as they flew over at about 70 miles an hour. What was his name? Bull Bullard. Who is Are it? you here by circle? <laughs> who is it? Who's he with? He's with the Globetrotters. He's one of the oh, Globetrotters. I had, so. fr- I had a buddy who played with the Globetrotters. Really? Come on. He did some cool stuff. Yeah. Did he throw the confetti? No, he was actually one of like the really good guy. Like ah, guy he wasn't that much play. of a trickster. Okay. He uh, went to Mankato. Jermaine Brown played. Oh, Man- yeah. Man- he played with the Harlem Globetrotters. I didn't know that. Yeah, he played with the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, for that's a bit. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, you knew somebody on the Globetrotters. I told right? you if you got a question about the brothers at Mankato, <laughs> I, I, I am the one hey, stop. Fellas, I'm, the, going I'm on? the one stop source. <laughs> I'm the Google of the black dudes who went to Mankato. <laughs> we'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf here, uh, filling in on the ride with Roycey all week. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, really enjoyed doing this and being here. We um, started something in the first hour, uh, Reavers and I. We went through the Vikings schedule and and basically just you know, tried to figure out how many games they might win. Did I lose my pen? I had a pen. You had them at five and three. Yeah, I had him at uh, five the and first three. Eight, correct through the first eight. Manny yep. wasn't here, but Manny, I, did you put together a a, a five and a, or an eight game record? Yeah, I got him at five and three. I got him winning, beating the Niners, losing to the Packers, beating Buffalo, and then losing to the Rams and Eagles, and then beating the Cardinals, Vikings, and Saints. They're all very or similar. Cardinals, Cardinals Jets, uh, and Jets, and Saints. Yes. Well, they might beat themselves. You never know. <laughs> um, so first eight games, we're we're not that far off. Let's go through the next. Uh, eight games, I'm sorry. First eight games. We'll go through the final eight games. November 4th, uh, 12 o'clock, the Detroit Lions. That's at home, correct? That's at home. Yep, yep. 
That's a win. Yep, that's a W. Yeah. Better, better be. Better be. Well, yeah. Matt, you were talking about those must-win, those games you got to win. That That's on yeah. that list of... Mike Zimmer needs to stop losing to the Detroit Lions yes. at home. Like, you know what, though? <laughs> I, I actually kind of like... I, I agree, Vikings win this game. But Detroit's offense is legit. They, they're good. Well, you, yeah, you, The problem you, is they can't stop anybody. That's yeah, their problem. They're not, they're not good enough to come into that game, especially with the chance that they just had a crazy game with the Saints. And make any assumptions. You you gotta right. come in with the right attitude. But I think they win that game. And I my thing with the Lions is, and I could be completely wrong, but I'm really really low on Matt Patricia right now, just because of just how awful that Patriots defense was in the Super Bowl. Well, you know, anybody that's coached under Belichick goes on to be a Super Bowl champion, right? <laughs> not. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the name gets people hyped up, but Belichick's assistants have not done well. They have not done well at all. They got the bye week after that. Then they go to Chicago, which I don't know. I mean, Chicago has made some moves. There are people who are really high on Chicago and think they'll be an improved team. I'm not there. I mean, to me, if you're a Super Bowl level team, if you are a team that got Kirk Cousins, yep. Because you've got a three-year window to win a Super Bowl, you better go to Chicago and win that game. Mm-hmm. There's no, there are no I'm excuses with for me yeah. with that game. Yep, we all agree. Yep, yep. All right, night game, November 25th, Green Bay Packers. Like I picked them to lose at Green Bay in the second game of the year. I think they get their revenge and even the score at U.S. Bank Stadium on I November 25th. What do you think? I had them winning at Green Bay. Green Bay. I think they win again here at. Uh, at the U.S. Bank Stadium. So you think they sweep them? In I think regular they sweep season. the Packers, I do. Okay. Even well, though my piping hot sports take when I was arguing with Pat was, I think the Packers are going to win the division only because <laughs> I wanted to be a contrarian. No, I think I think the Vikings win here. I just, Green Bay, yes, Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback in the league, um, but their defense has a lot of holes on it. And oh, I know they, they've spent their first two picks on defensive backs, but that de- and they lost Jake Ryan for the season. He's a starting linebacker. That de- that defense isn't good. There's nothing uh, you can bring up all the position challenges this team has. If you're if you're pro Green Bay, it's all Aaron Rodgers. Like there's no other name yep. that makes you think that they have a chance at anything but Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think I think the Vikings get their payback, win that game. Then they go to New England. Whew. They go to New that's England a, December second. That's, a loss, that's a loss. I think. Yeah, I think it would be close because I don't think New England's going to be all that great this year. You don't think they're going back? I don't think they're going to go back to the Who Super beats Bowl. Who, who's better than them in the AFC? Uh, maybe, maybe what, Pittsburgh, if they get yeah, it together? Yeah, I think Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, I people mean, are Jacksonville. Are Jacksonville, people are you know, I mean, I, I just, I I know it's hard to sort of really pick out a team that could beat them, but I, I just think at some point Tom Tom Brady's not going to be able to do this forever. You know who I think the surprise team in the AFC is going to be this year? Who? The Chargers. People are yeah. high on the Chargers too. They were quietly 9 and 7. Well, their offense yeah. Philip Rivers had I forget the number, but they had I think the third best offensive efficiency in the last 12 games of the, yeah, they, of the season because they got off to that slow start. They poured it on And late. their first-round pick was the receiver that finally got healthy. I think they're going to be a pretty good team. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be a very interesting team, uh, especially I think Phillip Rivers has something left in the tank. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they overtake the Patriots. When I saw Brady doing the Super Bowl, made me think there's just no way he's not yeah. going to be great again. Uh, but I think we all agree they lose that game. Then they go to Seattle December 10th, another night game. Uh, I think that's Sunday night. That's dangerous. That's a scary, scary game. Um, 
But I think this is a Seattle team that's not what it was. I mean, this is not. Yeah, this is their indefinite rebuild. Yeah, mode. this is not. This is Russell Wilson facing more pressure to make plays than he ever has in his career. I think, again, if you're a Super Bowl team, you win that game. I'm going to assume that the Vikings get that one. Uh, I have them winning in Seattle as well. I don't think the Seahawks, the Seahawks are a non-playoff team yeah. to me as as good as Russell Wilson has become, that defense is not what it used to be, and that offensive line is still a mess. So, yeah, I think uh, even good teams have clunkers. I think Seattle's a non-playoff team. I think the Vikings lose this game. Really, I think this is the, this is a game where you're playing a night night games on the road against a team that still has a Russell Wilson is still still really one good. of the best quarterbacks. He's top league. ten quarterback. Yeah, uh, I I just think they lose that game, and it might be coming. In with their their heads down a little bit after yep. playing New England the previous week. But yeah, Seattle's a six and ten, seven and nine kind of a team. But still I still dangerous. But I think that they win this game. That Seattle wins this game. Hosting Miami December sixteenth. <laughs> Name your score. Miami's yeah. garbage. 50-0. Yeah, they definitely win that game. And by the way, Adam Gase, I don't think makes it out of the season. No, I think this is... You're going into the season with Ryan Tannehill again? You're, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. You he, went after Jay Cutler last... I mean, it's just, even when he's healthy, he's yeah, not good. It has not been... It's not a good situation, I think, for him. Hot take, boys. Going into this season. I think Miami wins this game. What? what? Based you know on what? Based on the fact that I don't have the Vikings losing any other home game on their schedule. Yeah. But that's the home game? That's the home game they're going to lose. Wow. That's okay. the one they're going to lose. Okay. I'm with you. And and it's gonna be it's gonna be everybody's gonna be looking around saying, What the hell was that? See, that's what I think is gonna happen there in always, Seattle. There always seems to be one game every year with this True. team. There is gonna be a game saying, right. What the hell You're is right. that? You're right. There, there's always gonna be one game. And that's and that's I think that's a candidate. Because they went seven and one at home, they lost to Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, but Miami is gonna be I know. awful. I know. Well, they go to Detroit the following week. I've got them losing to Detroit. Ooh. I see this being a 10-win team that's looking to the playoffs already at that point. And they lose to an ambitious Detroit team that might have a little life left, potentially. I have them losing to Detroit as well. Wow. You guys are tough. Detroit sucks. They are, I mean, they're bad. I, I agree. No, no, I, I shouldn't say that. They're not bad. But Detroit's probably, what, an 8-8 eight and eight kind of a team? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that'll be a game where they're they're playing for far more than the Vikings will be. Okay, I got them. I got Detroit. I got them beating Detroit. And then the season finale, hosting the Chicago Bears. Uh, I would love to say that they sweep the Bears. I feel like that's another loss. I feel like that's a game where that's a team. So that, you so you have them losing to a dog crap team at home. Yes, late have, in the season as well. But there's a divisional. I've got them ten and six. I have them beating the Bears, but I have them at ten and six. You what do you have, are, Matt? You guys are negative. What do you have, Matt? I think uh, I got them at twelve and four. 12 and 4, but I could see it going 11 and 5 with, as Manny was saying, one of those other hiccups. But I do have them, I have their hiccup as the loss at Seattle. But you've got them beating Green Bay on the road. I have them sweeping the Packers, yeah. And you've got, what other win do you have that we don't have? Uh, well, you have them losing uh, Detroit. Okay. I have them beating at or winning at Detroit. It's going to be fun to see. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf here with Royce filling in on the ride. It's been a lot of fun. I'll be back Thursday, Friday. Um, whenever you bring up the word race, man, it's so racially charged, such a racially charged atmosphere and country right now. You know, you can't even say uh, black or white. So 
maybe this final segment will help bring us together. Um, to, to, to my white friends and colleagues uh, as an African-American, I just want to say, y'all got to stop getting attacked by sharks. Okay? Y'all, y'all need to warn one another. What the hell? Y'all need to warn one another. I don't know if I called all my brothers, all my friends and said, hey, my black friends said, hey, where do I find a shark? We don't know. We don't know how to right. get close enough to get attacked by a shark. But I keep hearing all these segments, all these issues and news clips of, of y'all getting attacked by sharks and bears and bison and all these other things, I'm trying to protect you is what I'm doing. Hey, it goes back I'm to I'm trying that, to help. It goes back to, remember the D.L. Hughley joke that he said? If if black people are in the woods and there's bears in the woods, black people ain't in the black woods Black people no ain't more. in the woods. Hey, there was a bear sighting in my neighborhood last oh week. And the, and the community message was like, hey, look at the bear. People taking photos. If Myra Metcalf run into a bear, you ain't going to see no photos or video. That's you just right. going to hear about somebody running through town. I forget the YouTube link, but there's a video of the, the shortest black man horror movie ever. <laughs> it says, yo, man, what's going on in your basement? Ain't my business. <laughs> I feel you. Roll the credits. <laughs> That's a perfect, Ain't my business. <laughs> That's a perfect example. You all can learn something. Stop getting attacked by sharks. Stay away. We'll be back tomorrow.